in the future, it won't even be inboxing, it'll be avatars. You know what I mean? So I can see AI being in the future where it's like ChatGPT 80 and it's an avatar now engaging with me in video format. I say, hey, avatar, become a woman with blonde hair and play the role of a Diddy coach. And now I'm having a full-blown consultation with a being coach AI giving me instructions on Dean. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time, Michael. I'm excited. I'm excited to, to be here with you, Matt. Today, I have a real treat for you. I remember when I saw you the first time, you were sitting there working and, and I felt like the energy was there. And I was like, this guy is doing something mean. And I was just like observing you a little bit with the calls, just the energy what I have. And, and I really need to talk to you. I was like, hey, you did, but this is opportunity. I, did. I have to grab that opportunity. He, he did, he did interact with me and I, I'm very introvert at first. And I was like, why is this guy bothering me? <laughs> but his energy, his energy was, was amazing. And you were very respectful. And you, you also had this vibrant, uh, you know, you could tell that you're good at meeting people and making meaningful connections. And here we are now. And I feel like our connection has evolved from that one interaction. And that is the power of networking, actually. Right? That's how it works. Just yeah. like that. So uh, then we had a conversation and I found out that you reached the, the epitome in fitness. And it's so interesting what you have accomplished. And I was just reading um, your page a little bit. And you were like the number one trainer in LA, in Miami. And I just want to delve into your mind today. So what did you do to, to stand out or... Where do you come from? So did you always had that entrepreneurial bone in you or, or how did the everything start? By the way, I hope you don't mind if we're working this about. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I did it before. We talked about it before. We talked about it before. It's all over. Um, so, you, you know, yes, I, I was featured as one of the top personal trainers um, in Miami, also celebrity trainer there, and then become one of the top trainers in Los Angeles. Where I was actually really number one trainer in Los Angeles. Uh, for about two to three years. I think it was total three years, but I think in the third year, the co-founder of Perfitness, my ex fiance at the time, who we'll I have a great relationship with, she was actually number one for quite some time. And uh, it also, I mean, for me, I was interviewing a trainer today that we might potentially bring on board. And he comes from like a, actually from Florida as well. And he comes from like a football background. So I think for me, like personally training or the whole industry just came from a sports background. Right, playing sports, young young kid. I uh, grew up in a not so great neighborhood. Right, considering like if you're in Los Angeles, it would be like the Compton of Los Angeles, uh, and in Florida, it was you know Carroll City, Miramar, like they, that Day County area, which is considered a lower income. So it was basically Alex. It was basically sports or or drugs. Right, we didn't know back then. There was no social media. There was no masterminds. There was no entrepreneurial. Uh, things that you could be on board of, right? We didn't have social media t-shirts, so we were just kind of like stuck by whatever our surroundings taught us. So I, I took the path of, of sports and then that evolved into the path of the train. Okay, interesting. So, and, and I saw that you left your home when you were 14. I mean, this is not what the average teenager are, are doing. So what happened there? You know, that's, uh, I, I love my mom, you know, and my grandma. I have a really good relationship with them now. But I think, you know, now that I'm older in my life, just turned 30, by the way, December 27th, Capricorn. For all you horoscope people out. <laughs> you know, it's trauma that is passed off from generation to generation. So my mom's walking this whole finishes and mind me sharing this story. 
my grandfather, God rest his soul, who passed away, right? My, my father's a black man, right? In Cuba, they call, they call them afro Cuban. And when my mom started to, you know, have a relationship with my father, she was only 15. He was older than her. It's like that in those countries, right? You know, all it is today. Women think younger, it's different time, different generation. My grandfather, Alex, told my mom, if you're going to date that black man, you can no longer live here. So the trauma is my mom from a young childhood was also kicked out of her house at a young age. So if you don't hear these traumas to first generation, right? She repeated that same trauma raising me. So every time that I was growing up and something was, you know, as a child that I was misbehaving or something was happening, what do you think the punishment was? If you don't like my rules, there's the door. Just leave. That just leave. It's the same trauma, basically, that she went through. She was re-manifesting in her parenting style. And, and uh, you know, again, growing up in, an, in a not-so-great neighborhood, you know, um, where you're kind of, like, forced to, to figure out life faster, right, because of the environment that you're in. And then my family being first generation and having that slum of, like, if you don't like my rules. My father also had a similar background where he left his house at a very young age in Cuba. It was, it was like normal for our family. It's uncommon, you're right, for most U.S. families, even other countries, it's uncommon, or Europeans. But for our family, that trauma was normal. So even though it's uncommon for them, they didn't see it that well. And sadly, you know, because, again, they didn't, they didn't have the therapy and stuff like that that you would take as a parent to learn. Um, and he just touched that on me. And then, boom, you know, that's why I left at a young age. You decided to break the pattern. No, I... I, I I don't think I've broken the pattern. I actually, I forgot what it's called. I think it's called so, like suppression or something. I also, I've seen myself with the same trauma in my leadership style with my bones. I've seen it in, in partnerships. I've seen the same trauma me do it to people. Like if you don't like this, there's the door. So I'm hoping that, you know, as I continue to meet people like you, I continue to grow as a person. Life's not about growing and learning, right? And admitting your faults and you can get better. I'm hoping that um, that I can overcome that trauma by the time I have kids, so I don't make both mistakes. So, what we, what we're really curious is like, how did you build that company? So, because have you always been self-employed while you were the business owner, or did you start like as a regular trainer in the gym? No, always. So, yeah, self-employed from day one. Really crazy, huh? That's yeah. That's you're, you. You never employed. Never worked for a gym. No, really. Never was never a trainer for a gym, ever. Never, not one gym, ever. But where did you get the knowledge from? <laughs> I mean, there are like, there's, there's so many people who want to um, become an entrepreneur. Yeah. And they have absolutely no idea where to get started. So, and you were like basically like 16, 17, 18, and you're like, I'm in the job, I just start a business. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those times. You know, I look at, so I, I've shared this story many times already. I'll share it again on, on this podcast. My first real job was at a GNC, a supplement store, sports supplement store, general nutrition center, right? They're kind of going extinct now because of the Amazon and, and drop shipping and all these things. Back then they were where you went to get supplements, right? They're known all over the world. Even in Europe, you probably know GSE. So that's how I got into the personal training fitness side of things. You know, I, I walked into a mall. The mall was called uh, Pembroke Pines Mall. And I was 16 years old. I got me 18 to work at GSE. Oh shit, maybe I, hopefully she's no longer running that GSC so she doesn't get in trouble in case this goes viral. <laughs> but she hired me 
right? I think she's, her name was Ad Young, I forget, an amazing woman, Dominican woman, owner of the franchise GSC, right? It's a franchise GSC, so not a corporate. And she hired me knowing that I wasn't 18 because she felt like the, the passion and the energy, but she also felt like this motherly type of like, I want to help. You know what I mean? Because yeah. she went above and beyond for me as a, as a, as a business owner. And um, she hired me at 16, and I working at GSC is commission-based. So you make commissions based on what supplements you sell. And the speaking encyclopedia there, because there's no, was there even Google all the time? I don't know, I wasn't using Google when I was 16. I don't think there was. I don't know. But there was, exactly. My dog just farted, sorry about it. Uh, there was an encyclopedia there with like all the supplements, like a huge encyclopedia, right? Like with all, all with supplements, vitamins, minerals, weight loss, like everything regarding like health and fitness is in this huge encyclopedia. And you're working there for like eight hours. You're standing inside a store and you have to wait for customers to come in, right? But sometimes it's a sudden mall. Now you could go a whole ship where one person comes in. So what do you do the entire time of the day? It can't be on your phone. Because back then there wasn't really any reason to be on your phone, right? So I was just studying that encyclopedia to make more sales commission. I started doing really good at sending a commission, right? I think you have this natural, I think sales comes to people semi-naturally, right? It's like a sense of knowing how to read people and being involved in that way. So the follow-up to selling all these supplements and people, he just, and people being like, oh my God, I'm so impressed with how well you sell supplements at a, at a, at a supplement store. The follow-up was basically hardware training. That's how it all started. Like you can imagine Alex, Someone's asking me, are you a trainer? I don't even know what are you a trainer means, right? But it kept happening. I'm selling these supplements. He kept asking, oh my God, they're so knowledgeable. Like, are you a trainer? Because they knew what it meant, right? That he, the market knows what a trainer is. I'm a kid from the hood. When you got a job at a GSC, I had no idea what a trainer is. But everyone kept saying, are you a trainer? Are you a trainer? And they asked to say, yeah, I'm a trainer. <laughs> but like, how much do you charge? I was like, 240 for the month. The reason I said 240 for the month was because I, that's what I needed. I was at the time I was living in a little, uh, they call it an efficiency, which is basically like a, a little room behind a, a gas station. I was living with a girlfriend at the time and I needed $240 to make rent, pay the bill. And I got my first client $240 for the month. Unlimited session. Unlimited session. Unlimited session. It's a boot theory. It's great. Shut <laughs> I've I charged upwards of a thousand something mm -hmm. for one hour. Right? <laughs> it's like back then, yeah. And this is how, how everything started. That's how it all started. That's my origin story down to the T. And yeah. And then you decided to create your company. Because our business? Because of what? Because of, of what happened when you decided, like, I, I need to do a like official company? Well, I mean, if we go down the timeline, I feel like it could, it'll take up a lot of our time today. There's a lot that happened. up. There's a lot that happened from that origin story to perfect, a lot of trial and error. Um, from, you know, making really good money, you know, building my whole independent personal training business, making up to 5,000 a month, which at the time was really good money for some people. It might still be really good money. That's just training, like 5,000 a month. Yeah, just a training, right? Just one-on-one -on -one training. Lost it all, became homeless, had to rebuild it all again. Failed partnerships, tried to do it with multiple people. So when you became homeless, that was because you... Thinking new flights or no, no. So this was, you know, again, we're, we're time traveling back. I'm 30 years old now. So we're time tra traveling back to over a decade ago, right? So over a decade ago, and I'm a young guy. You look at the origin story, come from nothing, from the hood, 
fall into this passion of mine, which was personal training, clearly talented at it, which I was able to build up a, you know, at the time was a small, small independent business. And now I have money. What happens when you come from nothing and you start making, when $240 is what you're, what you're like stressed about to make rent and now you're making 5,000 a month. The shift in lifestyle from 240 to 5,000 a month in those couple of years that happened to me changed a lot of who I was, right? And and I didn't know if I was spending money and I was like living lavishly and all these different things. And this this has happened now even throughout my life. This was a journey you born. Um, and I just, you know, wasn't putting the money aside for the business that I needed to put aside. I wasn't being mature enough. I wasn't handling things properly. And I put myself in a hole I could have hit out of. That's how I ended up homeless. I was homeless at 20 years old. So we'd have had from 16 to 20 with about four years to build that independent business. I mean, that's insane when you have like four years like this is the experience in such a young age. Yes. It's, it's like amazing. That's why, you know, you, you, you have, like Alex, you have the, you've had the opportunity to meet me in this environment. This is basically the retirement, right? You know, I've had the mansions, I've had both six figure cars, I've flew the private planes, I've done all that. And you've met me in this retirement phase of my life. Uh, and it's at only 30, people are like, huh? You know, and it's not like, completely retired. I'm like, I call it semi-retired. Um, but it's because I started at a young age. Most of us started at 25, I started at 16. Well, I started at 14, but really started at 16, you know, being a business owner, even though at that time, you're more of a sub-employed and, and the contractor, but it's still learning how to close deals, how to negotiate turn, how to fulfill on a service, right? And then you're trying to experiment with people to partner with them to scale your business. I learned all that at a young age. So how many employees do you have right right now? So what did you accomplish the last, let's say, five years? Okay, we've had a lot of ups and downs, right? Um, right now, we have about 15 employees. That's how many employees we have right now. Um, but that was at 20 when I became homeless. Then from 20 to now, there was 21 to now, everything has been a stepping stone to perfectness. The perfectness, which is the company that you know, has created this life, which is really, you know, the source of majority of our reputation. We're really known as one of the best companies in Los Angeles. We work with people nationwide. Like the reputation of everything that I've created for fitness, um, that really launched in 2015. So, I mean, 20 years old, I think it was 2013, right? So 2015 was when I actually launched Perfect. Before that, it was still me just rebuilding the personal training business. So how did you scale that business, that perfectness? Or what did you do? What were the, the processes? For scaling that company? Yeah. Well, I had my, my SCR at the time, who was the co-founder of the company. Me and her did it together. Uh, and we first started with, you know, filling our slots. That we, we first were like, okay, how do we just get us two people fully busy with clients, right? And then how do we leverage that we're so busy, so in demand, so the first step is to become a master of your craft. I don't care how good you are at sales, how pretty you are, right? If you do not generate a result, if you do not generate a result, people would not pay you top dog. See, I think I'll get that confused, Alex. Oh, I'm, I'm a good talker. You can be a good talker and you might get the money once, but to build anything that's lasting, you need to get the money over and over and over again, right? which means you have to be good at delivering a, a top quality service. So me and her, you know, we, we first focused on us being fully busy. And then once we were busy, we were, okay, how do we leverage 
by charging you know, top dollar because now we have a lot of we. And then we started hiring from there, right? We, we just started to hire to fulfill. That's how we scaled it. So you basically like charge more money for, for the, so you're basically looking for like welfare people. Did you also like change the target group? I mean, look, it gets really complex, right? I'm trying to keep it simple here. Like that, we're talking about in a podcast, we're, we're trying to simplify it. There's a lot of market data you have to do at that time, a lot of learning curves, a lot of things you did right, a lot of things you did wrong. But for me, it was always about, you know, putting myself in the right environments. So I would always invest money in learning, business mastery, mastermind the Tony Robbins, invest money in making sure I live in the best communities, you know, the best locations, make sure that I buy my groceries at the best grocery stores. Why? Because I want to be surrounded by the individuals that I want to work with. Right? I always told myself, which you know, I haven't gotten the Rolls Royce yet, but I've always told myself, if I train a car to have the Rolls Royce, and if I train enough of them, I'll have a Rolls Royce. That was always the... And it's like proximity is power, right? So who do you think? Like, yeah, I, you know, I did a consulting course on like proximity is power, right? Wolf back proximity. But that's basically what it is. Like proximity, who you surround yourself with, uh, was that the foundation of what we started to do to really scale with it. Let's swap into a quick role play. For example, I know for sure there are some personal trainers out there who are working in gyms, for example, and who wants to be like an entrepreneur, who want to escape the red race, because this is not a luxury anymore to create an additional income stream. It's just a necessity because inflation is going to the top and you don't get like, you don't get more money paid in your regular nine to five job just because of inflation. So act as somebody who's working in the gym as a trainer and who has like 500 or 1,000 or like 2,000 followers on Instagram, how could, how could the regular person create an income just from like personal training online or how could they just like charge like for a single session, they can charge like 60, 90, 120 euros. It depends like wh where you live, right? But how would you start? Because I think this is super interesting for somebody who wants to step into the entrepreneurship. Yeah, look, I'm you no. Know, there's gonna be a lot of gurus out there. There's gonna be a lot of people out there who say, you know, they're, they're gonna see what what the, what these trainers that maybe follow you might want to hear. I'm not gonna do that, right? I'm not gonna say what you want to hear. Number one is personal trainers have an 89 percent turnover, which means that it's a market that is not the best vehicle to make wealth. Just start there, right? But if you still are that passionate about it. You're going to, okay, no, I want to build a career in personal training, right? Then step number one is that how many followers you have. It's how good you are at your craft. And nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to do the work to become a master at what they do. Right? They want to hear the, give me the three tips to yeah. scale up. Because see, you could, you, could, you could get the right clientele. You could do all that. You could get your social media and, and, and kind of build that market. But to really sustain a personal training business, you have to be good at what you do. You have to be mastered. Number one, if you're a trainer out there at a gym, while you're working at the gym, if, the, if in that gym, you are not the best trainer, do not ever think about lead. Period. Lead what every client in that gym wants to work with. You have to be the best trainer there first while you're getting your stable paycheck before you ever, before you ever go and do it on your own, channel so step one. How do I become the best trainer? What, so I think podcasts are great. I listen to a ton of podcasts. I think books are great. Um, the four are body. You mean just getting like more knowledge first? 
getting more like just, just like and not only the knowledge of like understanding the human body right implementing the knowledge so it's like getting the knowledge and then working with people so first i need to let's say i have two clients are these clients truly getting results with me or do i have them on a spinning wheel or do i some days show up motivated some days i don't show up motivated some days i'm like or am i really dedicating like what are these clients real goals Am I really overcoming all their obstacles? Am I really truly getting them results? Results that they'll reap, like, because if you think about it, if you really help somebody, see, and you, a woman comes to you, she's been struggling her whole life, she's worked for 14 different trainers, she's done fixing gym membership, she's been struggling with her appearance and her confidence and her body for the last decade, and you solve it for her in six months, you don't think she'll go tell her friends about it? She's like, I met that one guy who was like, who's transforming my life? Period. Yeah. And that's what I was able to create. And once you do that, then you quickly realize, oh, I could go ahead and eat this gym because everybody wants to look. But the problem is a trainer might be at a gym and then they see what the founder has created or the gym has created Equinox or LA Fitness or even trainers that might work for perfectness. And they think, oh, this is easy. I could do it too. And then they fail because everything is a journey. Just because this guy is young, he's done it. Or just because Equinox has done it or LA Fitness or any gym that you're at has done it. That owner didn't do it in one year. So if you've been working for that gym for one year, you're like, oh, I could do it on my own now. It takes time. So you have to first become a master. Step one is become a master. Then step two is do market research. If you're a master, identify your stress and weaknesses. Because you might be a great trainer. You might be the best trainer in the world, but you don't have any values when it comes to making sales. Right? Because you, you, know, you have to be a great trainer first to perform the product. You pay salesmen to sell the service. And then you got to be really good at branding. How do become better at sales? Just for the average. Some people just are not going to ever become great at it, right? Well, my, sales has to do a lot with like body language, natural personality, you know, charisma. You can read a script and, and, and close deals, but to be an actual, like a great salesperson, you have to be really good at reading human beings. And you, you can learn negotiation skills. You can learn to like study eye patterns. You can learn to read body language. Like, am I losing this person's features? Like, yeah. Mirroring, right? Am I losing? You can learn all these tactics, but it can just be hard for you. And it's important for you to identify. You don't have to be great at everything. You know what I mean? You know, if you're a great trainer and you do want to build a business, you do hire a great salesperson. You, you, you master the craft, like fitness, that you're really good at this. And if you're not good at sales, you just find somebody who is bringing you clients. Who's selling the business for it. And then... If you're great at fulfilling on it, your fulfillment, the referrals from your, the fact that you're good will get you business. You'll never run out of business. When I was, there's different challenges now as a business owner, but when I was in control of the client's fulfillment, when I was working with the client one-on-one, -on -one, not having clients was never an issue because I was great at working with clients one at one. We never had to worry about me. I never had to worry about, oh my God, I don't have any clients, uh, you know, businesses. Bad. It was more like, oh, I always want more and I want to grow more and I want to scale more. So, because I was great at the actual training of it. That's interesting what you mentioned before. It's like people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. That's powerful. That's mental candy. Mental candy, like that. Yeah. So, what would you do, for example? Because it's right now we have like 2023, it's like everything is digital, social media. What are the best ways? to get to customers on social media? It's not one of my strengths. I think the best way that I thought has really worked for me personally, because I started late, 
But for anyone out there, it's just to document as much as possible and upload. Document and upload as much as possible, right? So just, you know, anything that you're doing, you're reading a book to learn how to be a great fan, document it, record it, capture it, upload it, right? Just document that you are working on your craft. You know, you, you wake up at 3 in the morning to go train a client on the beach and you got 15 other clients after that, document your journey, your day in the life, right? And upload it. So documenting and uploading are the best ways to not be forgotten on social media in this economy. Yeah, that's true. It's just that massive action that helps always. Yeah. Massive action. But see, I was a victim of, I did massive action, but I wasn't documenting and uploading. It was a mistake, man. Huge mistake. Now, I saw if I'm making mistakes and learning from them, right? So that was a huge mistake. I mean, I've been blessed and I've worked hard and through massive action consistently enough, I still was able to create an amazing life for myself and I still do that. Uh, but document and upload, right? In the past, I would have been victim of just having this conversation with you one on one. In fact, me and you have had a lot of one on one conversations so far that if it wasn't for you documenting and uploading, they would have never, they would have just been heading gems, right? So it's just about documenting and uploading as much as possible. That's the, the biggest piece of advice. I mean, fitness is like, it's a lifestyle, right? And how does smoking fit me? Smoking a cigar. Well, smoking a cigar, first thing is, all great men smoke cigars. All great men smoke cigars. It's sophisticated. It's an art to do it properly. Look at people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? He always had a cigar. He was known for having a big cigar in his magazine covers. Um, guys that I look up to. Bradley, for except always smoke these cigars. Bradley. Uh, you know, this guy, Manny, Manny Cushman. He's yeah. a huge real estate guy. No, no, no. Always smoking cigars. All great men smoke cigars. That's, it's, uh, for me, it allows me to be sophisticated in the man who are years ahead of me, who I admire, it kind of like grounds me into like, you know, it's like affirmation that all brave men smoke cigar, right? And I want to be a great man. The second thing is that tobacco was actually an herb that was used for medicinal purposes. So there's a statistic out there that actually smoking cigars reduces stress of heart stroke for like entrepreneurial men who have a lot of stress. And then the most important reason is, you know, what these cigars mean to me. So. In 2021, I was able to, my, gra my grandma raised me in Cuba. I was born in Cuba. My grandma raised me in Cuba until I was five years old. My mom, she had to leave Cuba at 18 years old. She got on a raft into the ocean. Have you seen the ocean at night? Scary as shit. She was on her period. And she got on a raft at 18 years old with three men she didn't know to, to make it to the U.S. She's an immigrant, right? That's me, Ted's. And that's why you can't be, I can't be scared of any failures or successes because anybody who has the life force to take that risk right, how can I be scared of life right Cuba is a, a dictatorship it's a country that people want to leave and my grandma raised me so you know my grandma I, I was able to retire her in 2021 and now that she's you know she was able to she was, she was a janitor for, for many years and my goal was always to retire my grandma first retire my mom second like, so they no longer have to work and in 2021, I was able to finally retire my grandma. You retire your mom was? Not yet, not yet. Working all right. Coming soon, mom. Coming soon. And now that my grandma's retired, she goes to Cuba and she buys, she gets me these Cuban cigars from Cuba. So my first cigar ever, she got to me. So I also smoke these, smoke these cigars because my, my grandma, she gets them to me as gifts. So it's like a way for me to like feel like I'm connecting with her. Like I know 
that she goes out of her way to like give me the cigar that you know, you know, like where family gives you a gift, they, they're like, I'm gonna eat these cookies because grandma gave me. Right? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna have the cigar because you know my grandma went to Cuba and she went out of her way to go to the factory and get me the cigar. So, you know, all great medicinal cigars. There are some medicinal her, uh, um, medicinal reasons behind it, but more importantly, it connects me to my grandma, and I really like that. Yeah, so that's why that's why I am the fitness guy that smokes. Well, I guess I guess Arnold was the first one. Well, Arnold was the first guy that I, you know, in fitness is supposed to be helping people and ah, well, the world. <laughs> come on. Well, no. Um, so you know what I want to know is like the artificial intelligence that let's, let's jump into the future. I mean, it's, it's already here. This thing, like they, all the AI tools, they taking the world by storm. And what I want to know is which processes are easier for you now because of implementing artificial intelligence. How do you use it to be more productive and what they use? Yeah. So the ones that we're using the most right now for AI, right, is chat GPT. So for people who like, I have no idea what it is. It's like, how can you explain it? I would say that chat GPT is a simpler, more direct way of using Google, right? So you go on Google, you type in a request, right? Whether it's how, what should I tell a girl if I'm dating her? And it, you type that in on Google and Google will give you a hundred landing pages, right? On like what to tell a girl that you're dating or how to pick up a girl or something like that. Where you can go on chat GPT, you can say it's, it's similar, uh, you know, direct messaging kind of a conversation. And you can say, hey, chat, please play the role of a dating coach and a dating coach that works specifically with African-American young male who are between the ages of 25 and 32, who make $500,000 a year. Besides you, did your description? No, no, I'm mixed. I'm half African. I'm half African. I'm mixed. And I make more than that. But that, not in this economy. No, never mind. Stretch that. Cut. I make less than that. Uh, but, but basically, you can get very detailed in the request that I'm asking this AI to do for me. And then the AI will come back to you with a direct, you don't have to land on a hundred landing pages. I'll give you the instructions of what to do. And you can ask the AI, can you make this simpler? Can you make this in one sentence? Can you make this third grade level? Can you make this so I can understand? Can you, you know, can you write a book on doing this? Let's say you want to sell a book on dating. So you just can, you get to build a relationship with like a, with a, a basically artificial intelligence that is working to, to meet your needs and wants. And that's. You know, why wouldn't you do that? Basically, a, a super smart virtual assistant for basically like everything. Right. It's like, for example, I was just searching the last time, like, what are the best strategies to market my education platform? And instead, and like, kind of like 10 answers in just seconds. And you told me about something else. It's like, you have like a, a tool that takes notes all the time. Why not that one? Like, we go and we go, what's the that about? So if you guys can't know if I talk a lot. <laughs> so I was having all these team meetings. Right. Like, my perfect guest. So yeah, perfect podcast guest. I was having all these team meetings. And the meeting is like 30 minutes long, an hour long. And I'm talking about like all these tasks that we get done, right? And I was noticing that the, the, the employees weren't executing properly. So like, these always just kept missing all the, or, you know, I would say, do all this. And then I would sit and wait and all that. It still hasn't been done. What's going on here? And then, it's like, then it became a, okay, well, let's take notes. Oh, let's, let's take notes while we have the meeting. And then I heard about from Leila Hermosi, 
added to Moses' wife on the five AI tools that her team found that they should use. And I think number two was Fireflies. So we integrated Fireflies. And Fireflies joins all of your virtual meeting, right? You integrate it and it takes notes for you. And it'll condense the conversation and find out what topics were positive, negative, or transcribe the meeting. It'll give you AI, the AI will give you a summary. And they even have their own like chat GPT integrated into Fireflies, which is like a virtual assistant that would create an action plan on Sapir or Asana or whatever integrations you have based on the meeting. So how does it work? Do you have to record the Zoom call and send the full video to Fireflies? No, you just, Fireflies joins the meeting like a participant. Oh, really? Yeah, you don't have to, yeah, and it records it for you. And it audio records it and video records it. Yes. Yeah, no, AI is taking the world by, it's funny though, uh, I see the world so different now. You know, I was watching this uh, TV show, Friends. You know, Friends, everybody knows Friends. Yeah, right. And the, uh, you know, they're all employees. None of them are business owners, right? And, and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to call in sick. I'm not going to go to work or all this. And so I, I'm constantly seeing the world through two different lenses. One of like, I'm a business owner. And one of like, how do my employees do this? So I do notice like there is a bit of pushback from the employees are like integrating AI or integrated systems or integrating things that need to be integrated that will remove potentially the need for human error. It's almost like a human being's need to not want to be removed, right? So that's it. If you're a business owner out there and you want to incorporate AI into your business, I would number one, strongly recommend you do so. But number two, it's normal you're going to get some pushback from your team. I was still implementing either way though. I mean, you have a lot of experience in business and which jobs do you think will replace AI in the future? I think copywriting, I think customer service, I think a lot of jobs. I mean, those are the ones that I could see being replaced right off the back for my business, which would be copywriting and person and customer service. Um, it's like the Christ you know, asking questions that the AI will have the answers to, right? As if you train the AI properly. But um I'm sure a lot of jobs, you know, think about it. I mean, you don't even really need consultants will be replaced think about any consultant any coach think about you know if i can just ask an ai to play the role of a dating coach and it can just give me the instructions that i need in the future it won't even be inboxing it'll be avatars you know what i mean so i can see ai being in the future where it's like chat gpt 80 and it's an avatar now engaging with me in video format as an avatar become a woman with blonde hair and play the role of a dating coach and now I'm having a full-blown consultation with a dating coach AI giving me instructions on dating, right? I'm talking about dating, by the way, because Alex is such a handsome guy. You know, they, dating is something he doesn't need help with, but I need help with. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, it, that's why I see it going. I see it replacing a lot of things. And, I, and I'm excited for that because um, that's, what, that's what we're supposed to do as human beings. We're supposed to adapt and scale our consciousness. People who are scared of AI, I think they're looking at it the wrong way. I'm excited. If AI replaces all of us in the world becomes more tech savvy and, and it forces people to, to adapt, I think social media opened up the world, right? I think digital nomads and Zoom and virtual work, remote work has opened up the world. I think technology is going to force us to get out of our comfort zones, but it's going to open up the world more often. Yeah, definitely. I think where most people struggle is, for example, they, they have an idea or they have like, they have an idea, but they have no plan how to execute it. 
because this is where, where most people struggle. So do you have like three tips how you can overcome it and how to create an idea into reality? How to turn an idea into reality. How to turn an idea into reality in three steps. Yeah. First, you have your idea. Okay? Step one is tell nobody. That's step one. Ideas are energy. So the minute I have an idea and I start telling people about it, Potential. People, but you're also releasing dopamine. Now I feel satisfied in that I already accomplished something. Yeah. Because just for the idea. Just because I have an idea. But the bridge is nothing. Bridge is idea. So it's, if you have an idea, step one is tell nobody. Step two is start taking action towards your idea. It could be first research. It could be purchasing a domain. It could be doing a work. I don't know whatever the idea is, but just start taking steps toward tell nobody step one. Step two is start taking steps towards your idea. And then I'm missing this idea for most people is to, to earn income, right? So then I would say step three would be, you know, when you earn your first dollar with your idea, then tell people. So step three would be like, you know, earn your first dollar with your idea. Yeah, this is, um, I think that's the only thing that counts, right? Just bringing the dollar in. It's just money. It's like month is business is just money. So, and I think this is like where, most people have like huge problems to really turn it into profits, the idea. But I think, for example, when I created my university, I was just sitting there for like three hours and I had like a music, it's both like a, like a brainstorm music on YouTube for three hours. I had like six sheets of paper involved me. And I was just, had my phone, I had to my phone on, not this door. And I was mapping the whole university out. It's like every single detail. What are we doing? What do I need? Which people do I need? How do I promote it? Like I was just like, I put all my minds, all my mind on paper. And I, I then had like six papers in front of me. I'm like, hey, let's see how I can execute. And for me, it's, it's so, um, I think that's the reason why I get more done than like some other people, because I have an idea and in the second I'll make it happen. And, and this is so many people, they think too long because the best time to go back is when the idea is strong and the emotion is like real. Yeah, that's why step one is tell nobody. Yeah. If I have a strong idea, if I have an idea and my emotion is strong and I'm excited about it, I release, it's almost like an ejaculation. Don't ejaculate your idea. Don't bust a nut. Don't have an orgasm. Don't squirt, right? It's almost like an ejaculation. The minute I tell you about my idea, I've ejaculated all the energy behind it. But if I have an idea and the first thing that I dedicate my energy to is telling nobody and then taking the step needed towards the idea, most ideas that you have will actually get to a dollar in profit. And then you can find out if you really like it or not, if you want to go ahead and pursue it, if you want to double down on it. But most people have an idea and they just want to rush and say, hey, how does idea? What do you think? What, what? And then that just, they use all their life force into sharing the idea and then nothing happens. So many ideas get nowhere. And then three weeks later, they ask them, hey, what's with that idea? He's like, yeah, I come like. Because then you put your energy into the idea yeah. and gave your thoughts as human nature, right? And they also, they waste a lot of energy of themselves into, like you said, like when you have an idea, a strong emotion behind it, the minute you express the idea, the emotion is diluted. So let's, let's wrap up the podcast. So what is the, what are the biggest failures that you had and what were the biggest lessons in your career? Biggest failures? Yeah. What did you learn from that? So many things. I had so many things. Give us the three biggest ones. The biggest failures I've had. Yeah, no. So weird. It's so weird how it's, you know how they say that successful people fall a hundred times? Yeah. It's so weird how like I'm successful, but I'd, I'd feel like a bitch. 
<laughs> I feel like a failure, but I'm successful. That's the, the weird about to say is like the day they fail forward, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've had so many failures. I don't even know how to quantify it into the three biggest failures. They all feel big. You know, the all failures feel big. When I turned 30, I have, I have a good friend of mine. He's a very wealthy individual, eight figures and up, right? What he taught us that very well. Eight figures and up, that's, you know, 10 million and over, right? Maybe even more on that. Who knows? And when I turned 30, he says, and it's a, he said, successful man, successful people, but he said, being a successful man, your highs don't feel high anymore, but your lows feel real low. That, your highs don't feel high anymore, but your lows feel real low. So for me, my failure is still big because I've become accustomed to making $67,000 in one day, right? I've become accustomed to, you know, closing deals that at one time were a goal, a dream, right? Like you become accustomed to the weight. They feel normal. Yeah. They feel like they, are, they should be happening. But every time you lose, it feels like it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And then the, the loss feels heavier, feels stronger. So my failures to me feel heavy, right? So I can't even quantify the three failures because all of them just feel so heavy for me, uh, even though I'm fitting forward because I, the wins just feel like they should be happening. They don't feel like I would have to win so much bigger now. You know, I would have to get a, a huge win. Yeah. And then eventually, if you keep winning at that level, you, again, you become accustomed to it. And then those wins don't really feel, you know, if you win six NBA championships, number seven doesn't matter. But if you lose number seven, it means more. So, you know, you've already won, but it's like, if you lose the seventh championship, it really hurts. If you win it, they get out there number eight. And then you're right at number nine. And, and that, that's just a trait that very successful people have. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with understanding that. So you mentioned before, um, like 60 grand a day. This is what some people earn in two years, and that's just a day. So do you want to go a little bit in detail also? What did you sell or which, which, which deals did you close or how did you come to that amount? Well, I look, look, I think how much money you make in a day is completely depending on the market, right? Like what you're selling or, or what you're doing. It could be in real estate, it could be in movement. There's people who make five million in a day. I actually put up a post of one of my clients who was like, hey, I just made five minutes today. I'm sorry for the heck stage. Right? So 60 grand and if not, yeah, yeah. so, but it depends on the market. Like this market, his industry is so different from my industry. So if you want to make, you know, large amount of money in a day, then you probably you want to change your market. If you're a Rolls Royce salesman and you're making, you know, 30% commission on selling a Rolls Royce that's at 400,000 and you sell two Rolls Royces in that day, you just made a lot of money, right? So. How much money you make in a day is completely dependent on what market you're in and what you're selling. So if you want to make a lot, look at your market and then identify what you're selling or, or what you're doing in that market. All right. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for, for taking the time. It was a pleasure to talk to you. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see this. And, uh, you know, we didn't even talk about our other company, the Smart Fridges. But I'm sure, I'm sure me and you will have all the points. We're going to meet another day somewhere in the beautiful world, and then we're going to talk about the other place. Yeah, yeah. Are you traveling? Are you traveling anywhere? Or are you going to stay? I don't know. I just stay until um, the end of June, definitely. Yeah. Or, or the middle of June, then I go two weeks to Austria, and then maybe... Else, yeah. Well, maybe that's somewhere else. I'll be, I'll be traveling for the next three months. Um, I'll be back in LA. Yeah. After that, I'll be traveling again. So maybe we'll link up. You know, if you land, if you land in another country, I don't know if I'll come back to Mexico, but if you land in another country, then if I land in LA, I just hit you up. It's the first yeah, moment at the airport. For sure. 
Definitely. You know, you could, well, you could go ahead and uh, spend some time with me there, see the office and everything. But I hope. All right. right. Thank you, man. And if you want to know more about all the successful people, what they are doing and what are their strategies, make sure to check out pathuniversity.com. We have amazing courses. We have like amazing teachers with, and you have like the environment of people, highly successful people, and you can network with them. So check it out. We have like amazing tools there and can definitely build a network. What's impossible to have like in real life and you have it in your pocket on the phone. You can talk to high successful individuals and make sure to check it out. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you at the next podcast.